Woody Womack with Adam Gorney. Adam, a new weekly show we're doing called Tuesdays with Gorney. I don't know how I got left out of the title. <laughs> but, I wonder how. Uh, anyway, I'll be on here sometimes with Gorney. He will have interviews as well. He has one coming up later in the show with JT Daniels' father. Perfect timing considering Georgia and Clemson play this weekend. But before we get to that, Dog, we got to talk about the topic of the week, Nebraska. What a disaster. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and here's the problem. Scott Frost came out and said it was his best team yet. And he's talking it up and he's on game day and saying the guys believe and all this kind of stuff. And and Illinois is not exactly a very good football team. I mean, I they don't have a lot of skill, They but they came out and played hard. I don't think Nebraska did a whole lot of that. Um, Adrian Martinez. And, and we go down the storylines that we've done for years. Adrian Martinez looks great for a play or a series. And then he fumbles the ball and kicks it away, and the guy picks it up and runs it back for a touchdown. The offensive line, they were talking about weights, you know, plates, not weights, and on how they on how they lift at Nebraska. And then they got pushed around. They hardly ran the ball. Adrian Martinez, again, is the leading rusher. They don't give the ball to Gabe Irvin. They talk about all these receivers that they have. Omar Manning comes in. We know he's good. Xavier Betts is there. Didn't play, it doesn't seem like. So, you know – is Scott Frost really in trouble now? I don't know. I mean, Trev Alberts is in a very difficult situation because, you know, message boards are not exactly a clear way of the, of the entire fan base thinking, but they are almost to the point where they've just had enough. And it's almost like uh, gallows humor over there about just how bad this team is right now. Um, they should have gone into Illinois and won 41-17, made a statement and walked out of there. Who knows what the rest of the season would look like? I mean, they have Oklahoma in a couple of weeks. That's going to be scary. They finish with Iowa, Wisconsin, and Ohio State. That's going to be bad. I just don't see how this team starts really kind of kicking it into high gear after a loss to Illinois. Yeah, plates, not weights. That's what happens over here at my house. You know, <laughs> <laughs> Plates, then weights. Right, exactly. Uh, the From a recruiting perspective, you mentioned, okay, so when we look at Nebraska and we look at the offensive line, they do have a pair of tackles that were ranked highly by us. They're huge guys, but once again, they're like freshmen, redshirt freshmen, sophomores, depending how we're categorizing the COVID year. They got Gabe Irvin, who you mentioned, who probably has a lot of talent and can be really good for them, but he's a true freshman, the first one to play ever. And then you have Martinez, who's been, I mean, I tweeted it. In the transfer portal era, with four years of seeing him and seeing him in practice, how can that be the guy that you roll out there? I mean, Mackenzie Milton was available. Now, we don't know if he's healthy. We don't know what's going on. How? I mean, and he's listed as a co-starter at Florida State. How could Frost not go and get him and at least bring him in and say, hey, look, I'm going to give you a chance to compete for the job. If not, we're getting a jump start on your coaching career, you know, given his injury history. I just think from a recruiting perspective, they're essentially dead in the water right now. I mean, the worst place you want to be is in this lame duck situation. And he might not get fired, like you said, but how do you build a recruiting class or finish strongly when you have no momentum on campus? And that's the tough thing. I mean, Adrian Martinez goes in there as probably a little overrated, a top 100 kid, uh, showed a flashes in high school. He was very good during Under Armour week. I think that's why we moved him up so much. People seemed to love him down there, and he has just really declined after his freshman year. How has he gotten any better? How has that offense gotten any better? Scott Frost coming out and saying, 
Oh, the way Illinois lined up, the way they lined up, half of our playbook just went out the out the window. Now, I, I just don't know. And so I don't know if this is like a coach who just lost his mojo and just doesn't know what to do. I think today they talked about not having music at practice and that they had the players had to bring their own energy. And if that's the strategy for how to improve this team, I just don't know. Um, you know, Illinois came out with, you know, hardly – you know, any every question in the book at receiver, uh, Nebraska's defense was supposed to be great. They couldn't move the ball. They couldn't score. They couldn't do anything. Um, it's just, it's just really bad. It's, I, you know, it's. I, I just don't know what to say. What position on the team is getting better there? And when you look at recruiting, and this is kind of a an ongoing discussion about teams, um, you know, that had once been very, very popular to go to. I don't talk to a ton of guys that are like, I can't wait to go play at Nebraska, even guys in the area. Um, Iowa's battling for guys. Um, you know, Ohio state can go in and get guys in the, in that area of the Midwest. Everybody just goes in there and gets the top guys, the top guys in Iowa. Now Caden Proctor and Wonkpa, Xavier Wonkpa aren't even discussing it. Um, Fedoni was a huge one. Um, but that's one of, of, of a million. So, I think that, you know, there are there are programs that want to be back to what they were in the 1980s and before the entire college football landscape has changed for numerous reasons that we could have an, an entirely different video about. Um, but this is going to be tough. I don't talk to a lot of premier elite football players that want to go play at Nebraska and they and that's what they need, not not to just beat Illinois, but to just be competitive in the Big Ten. We're talking about on, you know, before the game, is this the year Nebraska turns around? When can they become a, a Big Ten contender again? And they just lost to Illinois. I mean, and, you know, it was really not even in, in, in the question. So, um, you know, that, that you know, a across the board, there are definitely questions about what's going on and where Scott Frost goes from here because he was talking this team up like they were, the best and he finally figured it out and he's got and he even said he had his guys in there now and so that those were his guys and it was just it sounds like a lot of coach speak and a lot of nothing on the field well where where is the offense that you know scott frost was supposed to have come from they ran the i, I know okay it changed a little bit from oregon to ucf where is like the you know oh the relentless fast no huddle run like where are the jet sweeps where you know what i mean where's like someone yeah. like adrian killens who was a five five three star that they took a ucf because he was too small and nobody would take him and now he's been bouncing around like you know fringe nfl player but i mean the against michigan as a true freshman he had like an 80 yard touchdown like where's the d anthony thomas type player where and I'm not saying a five star, but I'm, uh, you know, him, him and Killens played the same type of role. They yeah. got Wandale Robinson. They bring him in. He leaves because he can't even get the ball. I mean, can't get the ball. Yeah. I was watching Martinez, and I'm not like I'm not a notorious like Martinez hater over the years. Yeah. I yeah. I couldn't believe so, like how bad some of the passes were. I mean, it was just like. It, <laughs> how do you not have a quarterback? I just, I just don't get like, and I remember talking about this when uh, he was hired and there was a lot of talk about, Oh, if you look at his record, you know, you look at his track record with quarterbacks, Marcus Mariota, Justin Herbert. And I'm like, well, yeah. 
okay, we're giving him credit for Herbert, I guess. I guess <laughs> that's, that's loose, okay? Number two, he didn't recruit Mariota, you know what I mean? Like, we know Chip Kelly put the quarterbacks there. And how many misses did he have when he was the OC at Oregon after that? that they didn't have a replacement for Mariota, and that's what helps Helfrich get fired. Then he has Milton at UCF, which was great. But they were together for like one year, you know, yeah. like or two, two, two seasons. And he kind of personally, I feel like given his year four at Nebraska, if we look back over the last decade, he's had more misses than hits to, to me personally. Well, it's just and, and I hate this word when people use identity. What I what is your team identity and stuff? But when you watch that offense, what are they? Sometimes they try to go fast, but it doesn't really work. They're not line them up and pound them. They're not line, you know, get your big Nebraska offensive line and pound you and, and just take you over like Iowa likes to do. They're they're not that. Um, Martinez runs around a little bit and he's he has wide open guys that he overthrows. He threw a ball out of the end zone. He threw a ball out of off the sideline, you know. And, and the play before halftime was 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 exactly you know everything. So. Um, yeah, I, I just don't know. And when you talk about recruiting, too, I think they're 65th in the country right now. Nine commits. They're sandwiched in there between Coastal Carolina and Wake Forest. This this isn't a team, and and we talk about them because Scott Frost is popular and Nebraska is popular, and everyone college football is better when Nebraska is good and competing against Wisconsin and Iowa and those teams in the Big Ten West. It, it gets more exciting. But this this team doesn't just doesn't have any momentum going for it in recruiting on the field. If they walked out of there with a big convincing win over Illinois, which has a new coach, new players all over the place, no receivers, um, Belam is trying to figure everything out on the run, and they go in and they beat Nebraska, who Scott Frost came in and said this is his best team yet, and he finally has his guys. I mean that's gonna be, that's that's problematic from here. The good news is for the next few weeks the schedule is really really easy. I mean if you it, you know they're gonna beat Fordham right. I, I would hope Fordham Buffalo. Uh, uh, Buffalo maybe give me the points with the Buffalo <laughs> give me the points, and then things get really fishy. Like they're at Oklahoma September 18th. Would I be shocked if that line was four touchdowns? I don't. I wouldn't right. be at all. I wouldn't be at all. Michigan State. Okay, maybe you know they're they're a pretty bad football team this year. Northwest, uh, that's, a Michigan, that's a let me tell you something. That's a push to me. Like yeah. I don't. It, maybe I'm overreacting, but yeah, that's a push. Where we're doing the Mike and the Mad Dog thing. Okay, so <laughs> yeah. am I Mike or the Mad Dog? Because I you're, I you're Mike. I'm, I'll be Dog for sure. <laughs> okay, then they then they're la- then October starts. Northwestern, Michigan, Minnesota, Purdue, Ohio State, Wisconsin, Iowa. Is that the death knell? Is that where it just goes off the rails and and Trev Alberts is forced to do it? And they were talking about this after the game, I think. And someone said on on the on ESPN that you know Tim, it, Scott Frost is to Nebraska what Tim Tebow is to Florida. Well, no one's giving Tim Tebow the job at Florida. <laughs> it's not because he's a good football player there. Does he have to be the coach? I mean. Scott Frost was a very good coach at UCF. He was a good coordinator at Oregon. Okay, uh, it's not working out at Nebraska. I don't know if it can work out. I don't know if the you know if you can bring in a Frank Solich type 
and and that's good enough. Um, Bo Pelini had great record there. Obviously, he wasn't a culture fit, and he was just you know an awful human being. But you know, you bring in Scott Frost, and it has not worked out. It hasn't worked out for Jim Harbaugh at Michigan. Scott Frost can go and change all the coordinators and position coaches he wants if he doesn't have the players and those players. And Ad, and I don't know, and, and I've seen both ways, both opinions here. I don't know if it's the players aren't buying into the system and not giving 100% effort. I don't know if it's he's kind of holding back his players from who they are and letting them play. Bets, I don't know the story there. I don't know why Manning didn't get the ball. I think the Buffalo uh, com- uh, transfer had three catches. Um, you know, I don't. I just don't know what's going on there. I don't know what the vision is to go into Illinois and not just blow them off the field if you think this is the best team you've ever had. So real quick before we wrap this up, uh, this is a tweet from Zach Shaw. Um, he said Scott Frost would need to go 37-1 and over his next 38 games to match Jim Harbaugh's current record at Michigan. So, no. I mean, if you want to compare those two, it's not, <laughs> that's pretty bad. So, uh, well, after Fordham, it'll be 36 and one. So, that's, that's right. After Fordham and maybe Buffalo, you maybe. know, half of Buffalo's team transferred to Kansas. So, they're going right. to be up against it. Um, all right, real quick some recruiting news uh, that happened on Monday Georgia lands four star offensive lineman Jacob Hood. A guy that really we, we're out on a limb on, Gorney. But, you know, I led the charge on him even before we had a chance to see him. We've had him as a four-star. Uh, we're the only service with him as a four-star. And we have him in the Rivals 250. You saw him. This dude is the size of a house. I mean, he's a former yeah. basketball player. He's six foot eight. He's 350 pounds, however much you want to say. If you, it, it, He's agile at that size, too, because of his basketball background. You think people are kind of sleeping on him as a prospect. I do. Is he a finished product? Absolutely not. But, you know, Zach, Zach Banner and he are about the same size, if not, if, you know, and, and Zach Banner has been a multi-year starter in the NFL. What I like about Hood is that he is that size. I mean, he's not like a condo. He's like a five bedroom, four bath house. I mean, that kid is massive, massive. And he moves well. He's like light on his feet. He can, you, even, you know, I've seen him in person, uh, very good. He's not in, insanely physical, but he'll get there. They'll they'll coach that up into him at Georgia. Um, you know, I don't think Georgia was like going after this kid crazy early on, but once they went after him and he told me, uh, I just talked to him the other day and he said, you know, when I walked in at Georgia, they were like, we, we have to have you. I mean, he's just a kid that when he goes to the, you know, at Georgia, when he plays on the offensive line there and does half decently, if he goes to the NFL combine, NFL teams are just going to fall in love with the kid. He doesn't have any, you know, a little bad weight. Okay. Who doesn't in the summer? I know you do not me, but uh, he, uh, he uh, is six, eight good weight moves. Well um, is going to the sec pick Georgia over Auburn and Miami that both definitely wanted him. I think this is definitely a four star I, I'm not gonna. I'm not even gonna say project because uh, I think he could be a really, really talented football player. Yeah, and I, and like I said, I saw him probably year and a half, two years ago, and when he was just starting to play football. And you know, uh, I I just you can't uh, w- if a guy is that big and can move. Yeah, you, you he essentially has to be a four star. Uh, and you could say, oh, are you ranking on skill or size? Well, guess what? I mean. You look at another guy from Nashville, uh, our boy Obina, 
uh, Ize, mm-hmm. who, who could have probably been drafted. He's going to start at left tackle from TCU. He didn't even, he had never even played football before he came here. Right. And now he's going to be at least a, a top three round draft pick. So you, you just can't coach six, eight is, I mean, that's the size of LeBron James. <laughs> but at 335 yeah right exactly so uh anyway that's uh that's a big one for them uh texas also landed a commit today from what's his first name jerry 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 bledsoe um this is a guy who's not playing this season a, a classic uh high school red shirt He's supposed to enroll early at texas this is going to be tough for us as we continue to go. How do we handle these guys who are not playing their senior years and kind of going straight to school? Yeah, that is going to be something that we have to discuss as a company as of how we want to do it. Is this something that we are, we are ranking? And, and as we've said, we rank off college projection and NFL draft status. So how you, how we think you're going to play in college and where you're going to get drafted in the NFL. That's why defensive ends are more valuable in the rankings process, then let's say fullbacks or safeties or whatever else. So, uh, you know, Bledsoe is not going to play his senior year. I, I don't believe. Um, so does that affect him at all when he goes to college? Some would argue yes. Some would argue no. In the case of Jaden Blue, the running back that we sort of dropped because of the same situation, um, he's chosen to just sit out the year and, and honestly, that is a little worrisome. Um, saving your body is one thing, not playing your senior year of high school. One, I think, is he's missing a lot of just fun opportunities with his teammates. But two, what does that say when he feels the same to the same way that he's going to get to the NFL? Is he, is he only going to play two years at Texas? Is he only going to play – is he going to redshirt play one and then sit out and go? I mean, all those kind of questions kind of come into, into a factor. We obviously part of our ranking is how we see players playing in high school and who's good and who's not, who, who's better than this guy, who's better than that guy. That's part of the projection. So uh, I don't think this guy will plummet out of the rankings. I don't think he should fall all that much because his junior film, he could, you could argue he's, he's actually a little underrated in terms of his production on the field, but it is something, it's a weird quirky thing that's going on where we're getting to see maybe Guys, you know, Clowney sort of did it a little bit, you know, in high school and especially at South Carolina where he just kind of mailed it in his last year. Steve Spurrier is too much of a gentleman to say it publicly, but uh, it is a little bit of an interesting thing where these guys start so early, they get recruited so early, they're now committing in their sophomore and junior years. It's almost like by the time they're seniors in high school, they're kind of over it. They don't even really want to do it all that much and they just want to get to college. That's why so many enroll early. That's why it's just you see like their best film their junior years. Um, but we'll see. I mean, I think Texas is getting a very, very talented player. And so I think we should rank him off of that. All right. So real quick, uh, before we wrap up on our topics and and you talk to Steve Daniels, JT Daniels' father about the game this weekend, uh, we had a really crazy story with uh, IMG Academy game against Bishop Sycamore a uh, online school from Ohio. Everyone's talking about it. Um, it's hard because we, we had a player on the Bishop Sycamore roster that was alerted to us as like a catfish uh, uh, who was using someone else's huddle. 
He was uh, claiming offers that he didn't have. It appears that some schools then fell for it and maybe actually offered him based on some custom edits he's had made for him. Um, but he's a player that had graduated in 2020. Now he's essentially 20 years old playing against high schoolers, even though it didn't look like it yesterday. This is just like, this is the era we're in, whether, you know, you, we had our own issue, of course, with the, with the, someone using fake film and stuff. Then you had the college admission scandal where these rich parents were pretending their kids were athletes when they weren't to, to trick schools and to get in. And now we have this. I mean, how tough is it for you the being, you know, the, the national recruiting director trying to deal with this and how, what does this situation say about how hard it is in, in the digital era to, to figure all this out? Yeah, it is definitely a weird sort of part of, of the job that unfortunately consumes too much time. But I will say this, I actually credit the ESPN commentators for how they handled it yesterday. They knew what was going on was complete BS. They knew, well, this, this Bishop Sycamore team played Friday night against a team from Pittsburgh, Stowe Rocks, then went and traveled to play on Sunday, which is a complete player safety issue. This isn't just like bringing in players from all over the country that might have some suspicious pasts and shady situations and an online school. I don't even know what that entirely means, but um <laughs> And it's like, you know, they, they just show up at the field and the game was played in the sense that like, if IMG really wanted to make a statement, like, because IMG in a way, you know, is seen by public schools or a lot of private schools around the country is bogus. It's like, you know, a feeder program to colleges and, and whatever else you want to say critical of IMG, but at least it's a legit institution with legit coaches. Pepper Johnson is their coach. They've put players to every school, you know, it's a, it's an actual place. What, what, what Tom Luganbill and those guys in ESPN were saying the other day was they, they said things like this Bishop Sycamore team is not a representation of Ohio football. They're not competitive. The player safety is an issue. They're saying they have these offers, but you know, no recruiting service can, um, can verify it. And that's just, borderline ridiculous so if, if i was img i wish they weren't such gentlemen i wish they ran it up 200 to nothing because they really could have i mean it, it it was 58 nothing and it looked like they no one even gave an effort so it was really just sad and pitiful to see it was sad i'm not blaming espn for putting them on tv i i, I think bishop sycamore deserves all the blame here they're putting their players at tremendous risk for injury they have absolutely no business to be on national television. And I feel it's my personal opinion that they did this so they could get their to get exposure on national television. They didn't care if they would lose 58-0. They were playing IMG and they'll be able to sell the one pass play that they caught and, and sell that to kids to come to their online school, wherever that may be. So they they you know Bishop Sycamore still has a bunch more games against, you know, Duncanville and other teams. I mean do you think those teams should play those games? I personally think they shouldn't, uh, but you know, you know, it's tough to replace a game on the schedule. So what, what would you do if you were those other schools? Yeah, it's, it's very difficult to, it's very difficult to at this point to find games. Um, but, and I, and I don't really want to penalize the kids that kind of got, I don't want to say duped, but went to that school and in, in this situation, 
but I just don't know how you can play this team. I don't, I don't even know, like you can't, I mean, you know, it's a no win situation. You beat them 70 to nothing. Fine. Should you have even played them? Um, You know, I I just don't, I, I just want, I just want high school football to be rid of, of things like this. Um, you know, during the seven on seven season, you see enough strange stuff going on when you're taking that into the actual season and on national television, and you're going to have Duncanville guys going, uh, and playing these guys and them traveling all over the country. I just, I just hope that it just fades away, but it probably won't. Yeah, we'll be we'll be following along to see and trying to stay ahead of the next catfish organization, which it's happening in a it's happening in basketball too. It's oh, happening yeah. all across. So uh anyway, all right, Gorn Dog, we will uh have you take it over, talk to Steve Daniels, and uh, be sure to subscribe uh to the show on the Godfather and Gorney feed. That's where you can find it every Tuesday. It'll be Adam with a guest, or maybe it'll be me on here running my mouth as well. So uh, be sure to lock in, subscribe, like, rate, review as uh, we try to get the show going for the season. All right. Thanks, Adam. See ya. This is Adam Gorney, the National Recruiting Director at Rivals.com, here with a special guest. Uh, it took a while to get him off of, out of brunch, but uh, we are here with Steve <laughs> Daniels, who is uh, JT Daniels' father, the Georgia starting quarterback, heading into this weekend's big game against Clemson. Steve, let's Let's first talk about his high school days at Modern Day. The, the, the great memories there, sure. I mean, really almost like a college program. What was it like sitting in those stands and watching Bruce Rollinson coach and, and JT throwing the ball all over the place? Yeah, it was uh, an absolute blast, Adam. Uh, in fact, I was still were alumni now to Modern Day, of course, and Modern Day was in town playing Duncanville, um, as I live in, you know, I live in South Lake, Texas these days. And uh, modern day just keeps on rolling, keeps on rolling, you know, two really good teams, but coach Rell will have those guys ready to go. I'll, I'll tell you, you know, modern day, um, it's such a great bloodline or tradition from there. And if you, if you really think about it, Adam, um, from 99 to 2017, there wasn't a, a league win, a league title, I should say, or even a CIF. So um, we were fortunate to be part of that group, JT and his buds that came in started going and now it's I think it's three or four you know championships in a row at the national level competing with with uh, Bosco and stuff so two great programs but uh modern days the Camelotta high school football I would, I would tell you that with coach Rollins we had our uh Texas rider there I said you know the big red machine is coming into town Duncanville is going to get get hurt and what do you see as the difference? And like you said, you know, just before we started here, Duncanville has guys. I mean, Amari Abor is a guy and Jordan Crook is a guy and they have guys all over the place. But it just seems like when modern day gets really rolling, uh, every position, not only Division One players, but incredibly well coached. Did you kind of see that as JT was getting getting through that system? Oh, absolutely. And that was, you know, that's it's something about modern day that really stands out all the time. We're not necessarily the biggest team, um, certainly plenty of talent, but uh, you, you guys just get off the ball. They get the right fits. They're using the right techniques. Everyone's on the same page and they rinse and repeat. You know, it's a, it's a very disciplined, um, very talented at a coaching level, incredible coaches throughout there as well. And it's uh, you know, it's like you said, it's, it's really tough. 
once if you think you know bosco had beaten modern day five or six times in a row and and then once all of a sudden modern day started getting you know the same kind of players that bosco was getting and now you've got i mean two teams that beat everyone who who's beaten either one of those teams except for each other in the last several years Let's talk about this weekend. Obviously a huge game to, to start the season. It can't really get much better. Georgia Clemson, um, JT running that offense. How comfortable is he running it? It obviously looks like it's working out well. And now into year two, probably going to be even better. How excited are you to see what this offense is going to look like under him? Uh, super excited. I think the, uh, the whole community is the, the, the bulldog uh, community is it's second year in coach Munkin's offense. And, you know, actually, you know, one last thing about modern day Rawlinson was, was really instrumental in helping us choose to go to Georgia for, for JT. So Steve, you know, don't, don't think about the depth chart. Think about where you're going to go, where JT can do what he does best. And this offense with coach Munkin allows that, right. He coach Munkin puts the game plan together in the film room and then he, in many ways, lets JT guide it from uh, the line of scrimmage. Who's got the best view for it? So you put great players around a kid that's going to be ready with, uh, with the film work and uh, a lot of good things can happen. That is something that was super rare about JT and some others have done it in, the, in years past, but he would get up to the line. He would essentially call his own play. He would have complete control of the offense and, and at modern day, put him in the end zone almost every single time down the field. How important was that when you were talking to schools? Obviously, there were going to be a lot of options uh, for JT to go to. That, that, that freedom, that flexibility at the line was going to be kind of an important thing for him. Yeah, I think, you know, the, this, uh, this last time through, it was about where, where can you play to compete for a national championship and with an offense that allows JT to accentuate his strengths. Right. And that's that's really, you know, being on time on target, but most importantly, being the guy that that whole team knows is going to make sure they're in the right blocking scheme if it needs to be adjusted or the right route concepts. And and I think there's a there's a lot of confidence that builds from that when everyone realizes, hey, we just have to do our job. No one has to be Superman out here. Just line up, execute, rinse and repeat and uh, see where it ends up. Got a chance to be special. More than anything, I've always kind of taken from him that he's a winner. He wants to win first. I remember at modern day, he would take hits and he didn't look like a kid that could really take those hits, but he took them on, got back up and went after it again. What do you think it would mean for him, not only to win an SEC or, or even to just get to the playoff, but to win a national title, one of the first ones in, in many decades at Georgia? Yeah, it would be, you know, it's the, it's the goal for the whole team. Uh, it's, it's right there in front of them. I think, um, you know, frankly, that's, you know, just just get up every day, do what you're supposed to do and go attack that goal. And um, a lot to look forward to for uh, for the Bulldogs. I was watching uh, something the other day and it had Heisman uh, favorites and he's obviously one of them. Uh, everyone was a West Coast quarterback. Spencer Rattler is from Arizona right. and then JT Bryce Young, another modern day quarterback. Um CJ Stroud was on the list at Ohio State, even, even though he hasn't started a game yet. And, and DJ, uh, who's going to be playing against this weekend. Obviously, you want Georgia to win. There's no doubt about that. But how fun is it going to be for you to kind of see, you know, a Bosco versus modern day quarterback battle again, one we've dealt with for years on the high school level, uh, sure. where parking was $5. Now it's going to be about 50 But <laughs> uh, right. just see those guys go at it what what is that going to be like to feel like for you and and even for jt you know 
Yeah, I, you know, I think it's um, it was a, a special couple years of quarterback classes out in, in Southern California. That's for sure. And uh, watching um, watching these guys from, you know, heck, Bryce and DJ, I, these guys were 11, 12, 13 years old and some seven on seven tournaments we'd run into a mat and, and, you know, to, to watch them grow and, 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 um, and thrive. Number one, it's not surprising. All, all really good kids and, and incredibly hard workers. So um, that's fun to see for sure, Great. to see the California boys do their thing everywhere. Steve, thank you so much for doing this. I appreciate it. Hey, thanks, Adam. You have a great day. All right. Thank you. This is Steve Daniels, JT Daniels' father here with Adam Gorney for Rivals.com. This is Adam Gorney, the National Recruiting Director at Rivals, here with uh, Big Dave, Big Dave Uyunglele, DJ Uyunglele's dad. Hey, Dave, uh, great to see you again. Obviously, uh, we see each other a whole lot out on the circuit with Mateo now coming through. But today we're talking about DJ a little bit. And uh, let's start with his recruitment. What do you remember about it? What was so special for you as a dad going through it, you know, really the first time for you? Well, um, it it started at a young age. Um, I understood the power of social media. You're looking at a father that didn't do it like a normal, you know, let's say DJ was a fourth, fifth grader. Um, DJ wasn't doing normal fourth and fifth grader things. I understood. um, about building his brand, I understood the uh, part where I just just started posting, you know, content. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, getting stuff out to people like coaches or recruiters. You know, um, I didn't send the one thing I didn't do. I didn't send videos to recruiters or anyone else. I knew I, I knew from the get go. All you all you had all, all, what I had in my hand was was special. So what I did was just post a lot of his stuff. And eventually around sixth, sixth, seventh grade, some of those videos got out to um, a lot of a lot of recruiters and coaches and the things that I that I was posting back then um, were, were kind of amazing, you know. Uh, and uh, that's basically how it all all started for for DJ. You know, it, it wasn't like we went into high school to do this. We we started at a very young age, you know. When you're going through the recruiting process as a family, when did you guys know Clemson was the right fit? Was it the first visit he took there? I, I think he, I, I remember he came back and kind of wanted to commit, wanted his, you know, you guys to go out there and sign off on it. Kind of walk me through that process of when, when you guys knew Clemson was going to be the right fit for him. Well, you know, um, me um, and the mom, we, we wanted to leave it to DJ, you know, on where he wanted to go. And um, there was a lot of schools, um, you know, DJ was getting recruited by a lot of schools. Uh, but for, for Clemson, uh, it was the first day he got there. Um, he called his mom and told his mom, this is the true, you know, he said, he's uh, talked about this story, you know, at Clemson in front of the uh, um, press. But he basically uh, said the first time he was there, uh, Dabble Sweeney uh, talked about his faith, and that was the key component that uh, locked DJ in. He said he felt the Holy Spirit and said that that, that was the place for him to go, uh, to be at. So it, it was basically the first time he went to Clemson. He knew in his heart that he uh, he wanted to go there, but he didn't want to um, commit 
right then and there because he wanted to give the respect to me and his mom to come and visit first before he go public with his uh, commitment. Everybody wants to know this and it's a fun part of recruiting, but if it wasn't Clemson, which schools do you think he really liked? Which schools did you really like in his recruitment? Um, oh, it, it was only two schools. And it was because they, DJ's a, uh, he's more of a, a, a relation, relationship-based type of yep. guy. He built a relationship with Clemson and the coaches, and he built the relationship with the coaches at Oregon. Mm -hmm. uh, Coach Royal, uh, who was at the time was the OC, was really close to DJ. DJ only, he, he thought highly of Coach Royal and uh, the recruitment um, and, the, you know, just the knowledge that a Royal brought to the table um, um, coming from the NFL aspect of it, you know, that stood out to DJ. And, and um, yeah, it would have been Oregon if it wasn't for, if he didn't choose Clemson. Your experiences there, we've all followed them on social media. You do such a great job of, of following along as you go on the weekends there. What's a weekend like there for you? It seems like you have so much fun when you get out there. Um, it's, it's, you know, me, I'm the most lovable guy. You know, I love, as they love me, I give it right back to them. You know, I'm one of the fathers that is just so appreciative of what's going on uh, with my kids, especially DJ. You know, um, I just... All I know is um, it's fun. You know, you go there, you get love from everyone. You know, um, it's funny because so many people ask me for pictures. Um, you're talking to a guy who was a bodyguard and I'm working with clients that celebrities that always are asked to have pictures. And I, it's so quick for me to, you know, we're, we're on a move. So I'm like, excuse me, so I can stop everyone from getting pictures. But here, here now they're asking me and I'm like, I don't even know what to say, you know, but of course I'm going to say yes. Number one is this, I, what, I'm, I'm always showing love to everyone, you know, and I think that's what, um, why America last year fell in love with me um, on TV, you know. Um, I never asked the camera to come, you know, at the two games DJ played, I guess I was on the camera a lot too. You know, they were talking about me on there. And and for me, it, it, that's just, you know, I'm grateful for it. And, uh, um, you know, uh, I think a lot, a lot, the, the, the love that I have for my, my kids, you know, was shown on there. I got so many uh, messages, emails, you know, um, from fathers and from sons. Yeah. And it, it, it blew me away, you know just how it, it touched so many people, the, the relationship between a father and a son, and just a father loving on this, on their kids. Um, the one thing I, I, I just, it's just one of the funnest things to go out there on a weekend, you know what I mean? Um, eating all the great food out there in Clemson, you know what I'm saying? Seeing all the wonderful people, um, sharing stories, man, there's just nothing like it. I'm just enjoying the process as a father and just understanding that um this is all it's all a blessing you know the goal the goal number one goal was just to get one scholarship that's it you know? um dj and mattel understood the goal it was just to get a free education i didn't care if it was to laverne university or or you know a d2 d3 it it doesn't matter but all of this is just a just a just a blessing icing on the cake i guess Take, take me back to that night at Notre Dame when, you know, Trevor's out, he's in, 
obviously a massive setting, huge game. He delivers in a big way. What was that like for you just to kind of see that and experience that? Oh, man, I was I, – I, I, it, it's crazy to – you know, I couldn't believe I was at that stadium. You know, what a prestigious place to play in, um, legendary. You know, you watch the movies, you see it on TV, and, and you're there. Um, you, you, I had to stop and just take it in, you know, and understand the, what's going on is that my son is about to play in the stadium, you know. And then as we went through the game, it, it was it was awesome. It was um, gratifying. It was it was all worth it. All the hard work going through the the process, you know, of of training every day, DJ going through the process of meeting coaches, uh, um, the recruiting, you know, talking to you, talking to all you know everyone that that was part of it. It was all worth it to see my son out there, and then. The way he played that game, though we lost to me, I win or lose, I'm gonna always be proud of my son. You know, yeah. Um, he he did amazing. You know, to 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 know that he went out there and thrown the most yardage versus you know, um, um, Notre Dame history. You know, he threw the 439 yards. You know, and um, um, even though we lost, everyone everyone who watched that game um, saw the greatness in DJ, you know, just not being afraid. I mean, for your first time on the road with a top five school like that, you know, just went in there and um, played with moxie, with, with confidence, with, 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 um, with, you know, not being afraid of the moment, you know, the one thing I love about DJ is how he, uh, how he, uh, how he, how he goes about, um, um, you know, how he, he doesn't allow um, like, uh, um, th uh, things outside to distract him yeah. from from what he has to face. You know, to me, what 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 keeps him, what helps him to focus is just how he's the, the simplicity. That's DJ to the T. DJ won't won't worry about what everybody else's expectation is on him. He only worries about uh, what he needs to know. Uh, the part of him playing QB. That's it. You know, um, being the best player for the team, and that's it. I think that's where, to me, where he, he finds a lot of success in what he does. So, yeah, that, that game was amazing. There was a story that came out just yesterday that uh, DJ was in watching film at 7 a.m. and the coaches came in actually after him. Are you surprised to hear that? Are, how proud are you to, to know that, you know, he really has, you know, the eye of the tiger here, you know? Oh, my, my, my son, he's been like that. From the jump, uh, a lot of people tell me, man, is that something that you guys taught him? We, uh, to me, I'll I, I be honest, uh, the kid was born with it, uh, you know. Uh, I, we, we, yes, we're parents that taught him, you know, all the things that you want to be the first person there, the last person to leave. You want to, you know, go in and, and learn your, your, your position or, or do your due diligence and to be the best player you can be. We give him all of that. But at the end of the day, the player has to go and activate it and do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and that was him. He's always been a guy that understood um, in order for him to be the best he could be is he has to cross all his T's and dot all his I's. Listen to these great people that's given him. See, I say this all the time. It, it, it wasn't just me and his mom. It took a village, you know. So him walking, being there, you know, that's pretty crazy. Being there two hours before practice, 
being before your coach. You know, it's not an act. I can put the, I can tell you that right now. It's not an act. It's something that DJ has been, he he wants to be great. Yeah. He wants to be great like like one of his biggest idols is Kobe. Yeah. He watches a lot of his videos. So if you watch Kobe and know who Kobe is, he's about simplicity too. You know, he doesn't want to, he's the task in hand. That's all that matters. You know, and that's how DJ is. Last thing, Dave, this weekend, DJ, JT Daniels, two California quarterbacks. Obviously, you're going to want Clemson to win the game, but how cool is it going to be to see both those kids, modern-day Bosco again, all that stuff together now on the national college football stage? For me, I'm just telling you, I'm a Trinity fan first and foremost, you know? So in that game, to me, we won. Yeah. Right across the country, listen, the Trinity has won first. The fact that you got two kids in the same league that probably grew up 26 miles from each other, the biggest game in college football this weekend, that's a win for the Trinity League for Southern California QBs. You know, um, of course I want my son to win, of course, you know, but I'm proud of JT too because I know his father Steve and, you know, it was a a pretty rough road for him at at USC, but, you know, things happen for a reason. I was so happy when I heard that he he was going to Georgia because Georgia got an old line, you know, not to say USC doesn't, I'm just saying that that's what they do out there in the SEC and the ACE. They got old lines out there. And I knew once, once my guy JT had a line, I knew he was going to do what he did in high school. You know, I'm really proud of JT and and what he's done at Georgia and how he represents, you know, the, the Southern California QBs. There's a lot of them out there. I I tweeted it out, you know what I mean? Um, three of the quarterbacks, three, three or four of them, man, from Southern California are in the top five, Heisman Chase, you know. How crazy is that? Yeah. You know, but I am excited for this game. Um, I know my son is ready. I know JT's ready. Um, respect to both of them, you know, and, uh, and Steve. Uh, uh, but yeah, you know, I'm, I'm happy. I'm excited. <laughs> awesome. Big Dave, thanks for joining us today. I appreciate it. And uh, I'm sure I will see you at Mateo's game in a couple weeks. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right. Thanks again. This is Adam Gorney for Rivals.com.